the Behind the Brawl podcast brought to you by Barbells for Boobs. We want to redefine the, the standard of breast health care and improve the quality of life post-diagnosis. I am your host, Ziana Hansen, and the founder of this incredible organization. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have Jill and Christian, David. Um, Jill is a breast cancer survivor, a mother, and an overall badass from what I hear. And true, true. so excited to be here with her and sitting with her husband and giving a little perspective from a co-survivor. So welcome in today, guys. Thank you for having me. This is really cool. I'm really honored to be here. Awesome. Your first podcast? My first podcast. So I will try to get close to the mic. And Breaking world records right? here. I know. I love it. <laughs> So a little insight, I met Jill this past weekend at one of the craziest events I've ever been to, um, led by two of the craziest women I've ever met. And when we say crazy, it's like crazy in a good way, in a fantastic way. Uh, They're currently sitting in as the world champion fundraisers this year. So congratulations on that. Colombian, Mm. lost twins. Lost twins. I always tell them they could rule the world. They can. all follow. I told told them on Halloween, they were like, we told all of our athletes to dress up and we need to go get costumes or whatever they like had last minute costumes they're like we can't like show up and not be dressed up and I'm like you guys should dress up as each other like maybe like switch the (laughs) earrings because they did that for a while one of them wore a black watch and one of them wore a white watch because we can never tell them apart and then they switched it one day and they're like oh we got you yeah. Now I can tell, I, I've been around them yeah. long enough. Now I can tell them apart. It took me but. a couple years. Really, really, <laughs> truly did. Like truly did. Yeah. But they're amazing. They're amazing. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank welcome, you. Welcome, welcome. Say hi. Want to say hi to the... Hey. Hey now. <laughs> this is our first time having a co-survivor on. Cool. Outside of kids. We had... Um, we had Deanna bring in her twins. And cool. so it was really cool to hear their perspective well, of their fact, mom's breast he, cancer. My husband was uh, a... What, DJ, right? At your college radio station? The news. Oh, sorry. He did the news. Oh. In Southern Illinois somewhere. Yes. Right? Yeah. W-E-I-U. W-E-I-U. So he did you do the, he had the radio mullet. station? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got a professional here. That's why he wanted to be here. He's like, give me the mic. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning. And to not muffle your voice. Yes. Okay. So, so Jill, um, who are you? Man, that's a loaded, <laughs> that's a loaded question. question. No, really, kind of take us through kind of yeah. uh, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? I know that you're half Mexican. Yep. Just learned that in the lobby, yeah. which is really something that we have in common. I just turned 45. Uh, I am from West Covina, California, a local girl, San right. Gabriel that's Valley. That's I was born, too. You're kidding. I was born at Queen of the Valley. Get out. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> I, I was born in Downey, but we grew up in West Covina, and then we lived in Covina for a while. Big move. Uh. Went to college in Orange County at Cal State Fullerton, um, and then just stayed out in the Orange County area because I loved the beach and I loved the nightlife in my 20s. Met this guy. <laughs> When dis, I was 25, yeah, yeah. we got married and literally the next month moved to Atlanta. Lived in Atlanta for 10 years. What was um, in Atlanta? He got a job let transfer. Him, let let yeah. the disc jockey share oh. this. What I, was in I, Atlanta? I got transferred for, for a job to their corporate office. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but she had told me prior, um, while we were still dating, that um, if she knew I was flying out for the interview and if I got it, she wasn't leaving unless she had a ring on her finger. So I literally got the job, flew home, and met one and of her good friends, and we drove straight to the jeweler. Put a ring on it. And yep. he did, and I was like, yeah, dang, he called dang, my bluff. He's serious. I'm out. 
I'm literally wow. this California girl is moving to Atlanta, and boy, it was, was a huge shock. Like the first person in her entire family, and she's half yeah. Mexican, so you know that's that's like, a big family. Half Mexican, so big family there. My mom's one of six, huge family there. Like nobody leaves the family. The family. Mm-hmm. So it was a really big deal. My mom cried. It was a whole thing. But were they like Mia? Where's Atlanta? I know, right? <laughs> Is that another country, Miha? What is this? Do you have any cousins like out there? the ocean, yeah. Atlanta? Right? No, yeah. It was crazy. And I'll tell you, this like liberal Cali girl did not do well. Um, but we made it home for a while. And when I had my first son, we kind of started the ball rolling to move back to California. Because I just close knew to family. You needed family. I needed to be near my family. I needed to be near the beach. I needed to be near people more like me. Atlanta is a, it's, it's changing. Yeah. But it's I still mean, the South. It's still the, yes. yes. <laughs> I will yes. say we had great friends. Yeah. We had an amazing community. We had an awesome house. Like the lifestyle there in terms of finances is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's less expensive, but my family's here. My heart's here. I'm a California girl at heart. We moved back to California in 2011. I had my second child. Like so I had two boys. <laughs> And then very shortly after, I had my third child, my daughter. So, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you want to dive into that. Oh, well, so. Because it was right after uh, that. So what did your life look like? Like the day before you get your diagnosis, like where you stay at home? Like what did your guys' life look like? It was kind of a crazy time because I got pregnant with my daughter. My husband lost his job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, you got laid off. Minor detail. No, really, was because it was a a five five kind of five years of hell for our family. Like we went through, we were like in a washing machine, never coming up for air. So it like was if like we didn't have bad luck. We'd have no right. Luck. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so we were already sort of dealing with that. Good luck was never an option. No, not at that time. I mean, we had come off a good ride. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we had a really good ride in Atlanta. Came back to oh, California, yeah. and oh, then yeah, we like thought we were. I mean, dual income, no kids. Yeah, yeah, easy. Our first home was custom built. Drove German cars. Okay. Yes. Oh yes. Fancy, make it fancy. Sound pretentious. Yes. Uh, well, and then you have kids, and then reality sets in. Right. You're like, oh, okay, we're not that. Well, awesome. California is <laughs> so expensive. So already, you know, so we just had a lot going on. You know, I'm pregnant. He lost his job. So we started to get back on our feet a little. I was working part time and as a, as an event planner on okay. contract. I work from my home, which is amazing, and then travel for work a little bit. I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old. We were just living Orange County life, trying to keep our heads above water. And um, I was about to turn 40. Went and had my mammogram in October. Um, Totally fine. And then- At 39, you had a mammogram? 39. Well, right before, so I turned, I was turning October in four- Turning 40, 40 in, October, in October. So you were like, I had my mammogram right around. I'm going to have my mammogram. Yeah, so I had it in October. I don't remember the date. Everything was fine. So I'm like, great. This is great. About a month later, I started feeling a lump in my left breast. And I'm like, I'm not thinking anything of it. I have no family history. I'm super healthy. In fact, I'd gotten really healthy for my 40th birthday. Uh, All worked out my whole life, athlete my whole life. Uh, Just no reason to think that it would be anything. So I let it go for a couple of weeks. And then I started talking to my mom and She's like, you know, your sister and I have had cysts removed, so it could just be a cyst. You should just go in. Mm -hmm. So I started the process in December of 2014. Went to my doctor, my gynecologist. They recommended I go. But the mammogram in October did not catch it. It did not catch anything. And it was shortly thereafter that I started feeling the lump. So it was already 
a five centimeter lump that the mammogram completely missed. missed. So, uh, in fact, we were so convinced that it wasn't any kind of cancer that we yeah. literally threw around the idea of having a fourth child. And we said, in January, we're going to start have start trying to have our fourth child. And I was you guys diagnosed are crazy. on January. I have one child, I know, and right? I'm it's like, a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And yeah, we're, we were, I don't know what we were thinking. We More the merrier. Yeah. And I was diagnosed January 12th. So that totally squashed that idea. But um, we were so like thinking that it was nothing. I didn't even go. Yeah. So I had so my, in your head, you were like, no way, nothing, nothing. Yeah. We had the biopsy on January 9th. So we had the weekend and they called me and said, you need to come in on Monday so we can give you your results. I was so convinced it was nothing. I went alone and they told me there was cancer. And Did they I, ask you, is anyone with you? No, actually, it was this awful guy. He was the radiologist. Yes, of, yeah. I'm, I'm asking this because most of the like women that get told they have breast cancer, it's like the worst bedside manner I've yeah. ever heard of. It's totally. It, so please walk me through that day and like, who told you? How did they tell you? Yeah, so I like? went and oh, sorry. there was, oh, I was sitting in this room. It was this tiny white room with two chairs and a table and, um, this man came in with a nurse and he sat down. He's old, kind of sweaty, really disheveled, very awkward. And he pushed the paper in front of me and said, I'm so sorry, you have cancer. And that was it. He never tried to get to know me at all or even say, hi, how are you? I'm Dr. So-and-so. It was just like. He didn't even introduce himself? Not really. Not that I remember, no. Wow. And, and the nurse just looked at me and I heard, she whispered, it's going to be okay. And then he left. That was it. That was his job. Like 15 seconds, right? Right. And then she, her, she, the nurse and the nurse navigator came in and they went up, started, it just all started from them. But I remember my body just got really hot. Like my whole body got hot and of I course, was yeah. like in such shock. I was like, this is crazy. But I didn't know anything. What stage? There was no information. Just Nothing. that you had, you had breast cancer. Yes. That's all we know. But they don't even say you have breast cancer. They said- you, there duck, is cancer in your, you have, there's cancer. There's cancer inside there's of cancer. you. Yeah. So it was pretty bananas. Were you able to drive home? You know what? I didn't really cry a lot in the beginning. Okay. I called my husband, of course. And then I'm like, I got to call my mom. So then I call my mom then I call my sister and then I call my best friend. It was just like, I, I just wanted someone to know. And like, I was in such and, shock. I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. It was just shock. And- now for you, kind of what was she, oh. she your wife calls you in the middle right. of the day. Were you at work? Do you like, remember that? Where were yeah. you? Oh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say this is like absolute protection mode, right? Like, of course, like switch, right? Like, and I didn't even think for once, like from that moment when she told me, said, I, I told myself, we're going to do whatever we can and we're going to fight it and we're going to beat it. Period. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the mindset that I took from there until and throughout the entire like I yeah. was just like blinders on and so like that whole period for me was nothing but um it was like I was in a tunnel vision because mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was make sure that she knew that she had someone to lean on and that no matter what I just knew we were going to beat it. I just, that's me too. Yeah. From the from yeah. day one, I wasn't even like, I didn't even get those crazy thoughts. Like 
what am I going to do if I lose my wife? What am I going to right. do if my children don't have kids? It never once entered my, my, my frame of thought. So from, from the minute she told me on the phone and the tremor in her voice and I knew that it was our phone call was pretty quick because I knew that she, what she needed right then and there was her mom. Yeah. Mm. Right? And I knew her mom and her are like ridiculously close to begin with. So, but from the minute she told me and then I got off the phone, I kind of went into hyper mode of, okay, well, let's... It's kind of like nothing else diagnosed. matters and everything else yeah. is noise. Diagnosis Life okay, is noise. Boom, now what's yeah. next? Let's he go. did. I do remember going, okay, all right, all right. It's okay. We, we could do this. Yeah. And then I had my best friend doing research for the best doctors and yeah. I got my little team. You had your own little medical yeah. care team right in I, your fingertips. Yeah. And then the next couple of weeks were just a barrage of appointments and meetings and scans and looking at x-rays and looking at this and it was so overwhelming and I, I really never broke down until I met with my oncologist which was the final step and my first oncologist was an awful woman zero <laughs> bedside manner remember that lady I don't even remember her name was it I won't say what it was but it was the newer office in Irvine mm-hmm. and um I remember she basically we went in it was very cold dark white just stark off sterile. That's all I could remember. And she basically just went down the list of all the things that was going to happen to me. You're going to go through chemo. You're going to lose your hair. You're going to gain 20 pounds. You're going to, uh, which by the way, was the one thing that she walked away with. Yeah. Right. I I was like, Oh no. And I'm going to gain weight. Right. (laughs) (laughs) She was, she, yeah, (laughs) I was pissed. Yeah. And that I remember I couldn't get out of there soon enough. Well, you had a one year old. So like, you already worked your butt off probably for a year losing all your weight. And you're like, yeah. and I don't even get a kid out of this. I know, right? And I had three kids in four years. I had been through hell. Like, right, your body was not going to stop yes, me, right? Most yes, of our yes. family thought that she'd been pretty much pregnant for eight yeah. years. Yeah. A lot. After yeah. another, like every 20 so months, we. You were pregnant. Yeah. And most likely, yeah. I had cancer while I was pregnant. I would say. With my daughter. But we just didn't know. What it. was the state? Like, what did they finally, how long did it take them to come up with your stage and your treatment plan? And Not long. It was probably within, um, I'd say two weeks. Okay. We were ready to go. And, but you really look yeah. at that. Think about that. Two weeks to make probably some of the biggest life right. decisions of, of your life. Of not knowing what it is or what it is or what the stage is or what the, what our, uh, you know, what our course of action is, mm-hmm. what is the corrective action. Well, and so I ended up, it was stage 3B, invasive ductal carcinoma. I was what? probably months away from stage four because it had spread to my lymph nodes. So had I waited any longer, I would be in a really different place. You might have had it during two pregnancies. Right. I had a five centimeter tumor that the mammogram missed. Okay, I'm just going to stop you there. Right? So for the <laughs> listeners out there, <laughs> I always try to make sure that this that our voice at Barbell Shaboobs is for self-advocacy because we are in con- we are responsible for our own health, right? We can blame doctors and we can blame, I've tried to blame the healthcare system and it's just, yeah. it's so bananas to even try. Mammograms may miss it. They may miss it. And if you're young, you have dense breast tissue, you yeah. might need an ultrasound or an MRI. Oh, ultrasound. That's what they said. They said it was for when, when yes. I got the ultrasound, it was like, boom, it was right there. It's right there. So I'm a big advocate. I don't even know how I would do this, but to push for ultrasounds. So there, in there's addition a lot to of, a mammogram. Yeah, and well, and I think that if you're 
if you, if your doctor tells you you have dense breast t- tissue, dense breast tissue, you automatically ask for a mammogram and an ultrasound. I think that because there's stuff that a mammogram can get and Correct. and and um, screen for, but um, they just passed a law, and I I don't know how many states, but. Um, it's now a legal right for women in in certain states where if you have um, dense breast tissue that that doctors are required to offer the um, ultrasound. One of the gynecologists have them in their office. I know. When you have kids, that's all you need. That's all you know is that is the squirt of the uh, of the jelly, and then I mean, it's right there. It's like it's right there. So it's right there. And it's you think about the cost of an ultrasound, and that's what's going to save your life. You know, like exactly. We could have caught this at a stage one diagnosis, you know, and and it's so funny because we talked to women. uh, We had my best friend, the inspiration of Barbell Shrooms, that was diagnosed at stage zero, and she gets a lot of heat from other survivors that may have more aggressive treatment. And I'm like, we need to celebrate that it was caught at stage zero. Exactly. That's That's the point. Where we're missing, you know. Yes. Okay. My my treatment was more aggressive than yours, but right. let's yeah, but celebrate. Everybody has their own journey. Everyone has their own journey, everybody and like journey. let's celebrate early detection. Yeah. Like thank Absolutely. goodness oh that gosh. she got caught yes. at stage zero because she could have been at three B. Okay, so you're at three B. So frustrated right now. Go ahead. Well, I <laughs> I do remember the moment that I broke down. It was after meeting with that lady, and she had told me all the bad stuff that was going to happen to me. And I remember getting in the car and closing the door, and I lost it for probably an hour. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And that was my breakdown moment. And I'm kind of a tough girl. I've mm-hmm. had a lot of, you have three kids under five years. Yeah, yeah. I've just had, I've lived a life <laughs> so where I've sorry. seen a lot. So yeah, yeah, I was like, all right, that was it. Those were my tears. I am going to fight this. I'm going to leave that oncologist because I don't like her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find a new oncologist. I, I did get a second opinion. I went to UCLA and met with the top breast surgeon at UCLA who yeah. told me this, that what they were doing is, was correct. Cause I got treated at Hogue and she said, I would do the exact same thing. Um, and I said, okay, great. And so we started the process in February and I had about a year and a half of treatment. I did, um, six rounds of chemo and because I was young and healthy, they gave me very intense chemotherapy. It was, was it the, the red, only way I could describe the red devil. I, they never said that, but it was four different types of chemo. I don't know. or that Your cocktail. <laughs> it was, I don't, God, I'm like Taxotere, I think. I, I've blocked it out. But yeah. Carboplatin, does that sound familiar? You had, a, you had a cocktail then. Yeah. You probably I had, had a, a mix of, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way I can describe chemo as just barbaric. Huh. I don't have any other words to describe it. And I remember, I think I went in thinking I'd be okay because people would tell me, oh, my friend... She had chemo and she taught the whole time. Yeah, and she's fine. Never oh took my, a day off oh, work. Yeah, never. And, yeah. Oh, what a warrior she but is. But it's kind of like childbirth. Yeah. Like right? everyone has their own childbirth. Like I had a, an amazing childbirth and I was in labor for 12 hours and pushed them out in nine minutes. And then you hear these like crazy. Jealous. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like people yeah. are like, they're like, it's because you CrossFit. I'm like, no, it's because I'm half Mexican. I was right? built for this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you got totally birthing hips. That's what I said. I have totally birthing, birthing hips. hips. Thanks, oh, yeah. Mom. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. Everybody yeah, has a different story. It's the same thing. And when women that I think that would have natural births, they have C-sections because they're just like, it was so much pain. I, you know, but pain is different for pain all different. of it. For and all your body us. reacts different. I mean, totally. I was in a fetal position for five days after and, your, after my first round. Were you doing chemo one day a week? Like what was the regimen for, those, I, every for that time? Three weeks. Okay. So for I six would, months for six, six rounds. Okay. Six rounds. So, yeah. and so they gave it to me quick and 
heavy. quick and dirty. Yeah, they did. I mean, they <laughs> they knocked it out because some they said some had said, "Oh, my friend had it," and they spread it out for six months, and so she oh, was yeah. fine. And they were like, "Nope, you're healthy. We're doing this because your tumor is so large and aggressive. You're so close to stage four. We, we need to get we it need out." It, yeah. So they just her, socked her it to me. Her two positive. Her two positive. Yeah. So it was estrogen receptive and. Um, yeah, chemo sucked, man. It yeah. was brutal. It was. Brutal. And did you lose your? I know that you did not lose your. I did not lose my hair okay. because someone had said to me, "I don't know if you're interested, but a girlfriend of mine did a cold cap. They're huge in Europe. In fact, everybody in Europe has an option of a cold cap. They have them crazy. There. Probably like insurance pays noticed, for it. Or yeah, I don't nobody know. in Europe is ever bald. You get, anybody <laughs> notice that? Because every <laughs> oncology center has cold cap stations, so it's your option to have it. I mean, there's. All it is is basically a cold cap is a cap that's 32 degrees below zero, and you put it on during chemo. It freezes your hair follicles so that the chemo doesn't get to those follicles. Doesn't, mm. doesn't um, seep in. Got it. So I lost absorb, all of my other hair, arm hair. Arm hair yeah, don't yeah. Absorb the poison. Yeah, right, got it. The po- yeah poison. For and sure. I know this is controversial too because people have said, "Oh, that's so vain," and I thought. Maybe to you, because you've never had this happen. But for me, it wasn't even about me. Although I did know I'd look ugly bald. I just mm-hmm. knew it. But I had three small children. The oldest was starting kindergarten. And I didn't want them. I didn't want their life to change. Mm-hmm. We were honest with them with the questions they had. But they were so little. I didn't feel like we needed to shove it in their faces. And I didn't want my son to feel weird about his bald mother. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to feel good about myself. Um, when I was feeling good, I didn't want to walk around as like a walking breast cancer advertisement, you know? Well, and I don't think that it's vain to have something you've had your whole life. Right. You know, I think that we're born with hair, most of us, especially, you know. Unless you shave the side off. I was going to say it. (laughs) Yeah, unless you shave. Yes, yes, yes. But you have pretty much the option for hair your whole life as a woman. And you're kind of expected to have hair as a woman. And there's so much pressure to have hair. And so for people to say that it's vain to want to keep something that you have pressure your whole life to keep long and pretty and, you know. Well, I think um, the other thing was it was about control. mm. Because when that first oncologist told me all the bad things, I'm like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to fight you on some of those. Yeah, well, whatever I I can fight. So I'm like, I'm keeping my hair. And I didn't do a port. I chose to do just, you know, vain every time. Because I said, do I have to have the port? And they said, ah. no, go, it's just easier. I go, easier for who? Easier, easier for, for you or me. And they're like, well, it's easier for us, obviously. And really? So I didn't get the port. And you don't have to get the port, ladies. If you don't want it, just ask your doctor. Didn't get it. Did it? I mean, I've, ne- I've never heard of this. So you just yeah. got it in the, you just in got my, sh- right in my arm. So like, did it hurt or so, yeah, so, so for, arms okay, no, no, yeah. I, I can never use my left arm because that's where I had chemo. Um, they've done, you know, where the elbow joint is, I have no veins left, but now they do the top of my hand and it works great. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I fought that one. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. I'm a fighter. Yeah. I'm stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I ended up losing about 50% of my hair and I had to cut it really short anyway, but I never was bald. Got it. It's funny. There was a girl that I know now on Facebook through our, um, having breast cancer, mm-hmm. she went through chemo at the same time, but she was like six feet tall, looked like mm. a Barbie doll, gorgeous. And I'm thinking to myself, I know she's going to look beautiful 
with no hair. With no hair. And she did. She came in every time with a beautiful wrap <laughs> and she was gorgeous. And here I am like five foot one. Like I was turning gray and yellow from the chemo. And I'm like that. I'm not that pretty. So like she could rock it. I just knew I wouldn't rock the bald look. That's not me. Yeah. So. Yeah. How, so did you tell your children? Did What was that conversation? We only with told them? our oldest um, because he could see something was up. Super smart kid. Very sensitive. Really close with me. We just said, mommy's sick. Mommy has cancer, but we're going to do everything we can to fight and she's going to be fine. So I'm going to go to lots of doctor's appointments and that's about it. And you know what? That kid really stepped up. He was awesome. Yeah. Mm. Oldest, yeah. I think adversity I is. Well, he did Aww. break down once because the first time I had chemo, um, I opted out of the fluids. They said, come back for hydration. You know, me being stubborn, I said no. And then I ended up getting severely dehydrated, had to go to the ER. Mm. And that was a bit of a dramatic moment for him. And he cried a lot. And so we did have to explain a little more to him then. And we told him, once mommy gets through her treatment, we're taking you to Disneyland because you're awesome and you take care of your brother and sister. And we know this is hard on you. And so he just kept his eye on the prize, you know? Wow. So, yeah, he's amazing. They were all amazing, you know? What was like... Your life, what did your life balance look like during that time of treatment? Because I, I mean, it's because you're depleted as a mom. You have three young children. You're working, I'm assuming. And yeah. so what did a typical day look like for you all? Brutal. Every day was different. It was sort of like. It's almost like you had a newborn, right? Like yeah. You, you I, were it, like the it newborn. Was, it was, right. Everybody was taking care of me. Yeah. And um, every day was Which different. Which huge for her. Yeah. No, yes. that's. I'm for, an alpha. Yeah. 100%. So like I would get the chemo on a Wednesday because it would take two days and then Friday I would feel sick. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I was out and my mom would come over and she'd take care of me while he took care of the kids. And um, then she'd leave Monday and he'd have to kind of go back to work. And even though I didn't feel great, I kind of just had to like mm. buck up, you yeah. know, suck it up, buttercup, because yeah. these kids needed me. Mm-hmm. And I always say in some way they saved me. Because I didn't have a chance to feel sorry for myself. Yeah. I didn't have time to feel sorry for myself and like lay around. Even though I felt like crap, I would get up and I would go and I would take them to play dates and I would take them to school and I would do all the things I had to do because I didn't have a choice. How so, old are they now? 10, 8, and 6. Ooh, so yeah. so did you just hit five years or you're hitting f- four? So I just hit four. So I had. So in January will it be my treatment. Well, was yeah. When do you consider your cancer free date? July. Okay. Okay. So July second, two thousand fifteen was when they told me I was cancer free. Mm. So it's been four and a half, almost four and a half years. Did you have to do any continued, continued treatment after your chemo? Yeah. So after chemo, I had surgery. I had a lumpectomy to clear the margins because the it the chemo eradicated the tumor, which is what the goal was. And Mm -hmm. then she went in and did a lobectomy and removed a few lymph nodes. So I have two scars. Um, and then, which my breast surgeon is like an angel from heaven. Mm. Oh my God. Yes. Right. I mean, look at him. Yes. (laughs) She, I just, it's just a shout out to the nurses. Nurses. And the women doctors. Women doctors. Yes. They were amazing. And it's like, they're your support system. people like myself yeah you know they are um they truly are angels yeah yeah we went through it together i mean she was 
like my best friend for that time because she was just she was my advocate she was my Mm -hmm. person and um she's the one who got to deliver the news that so I had the surgery and then I had to go back in for my results and you're sitting there of course you know freaking out just hoping yeah she said you are cancer free oh my goodness no sign of disease no evidence (sighs) of disease complete pathological response meaning everything that they everything is gone perfect yeah you're completely eradicated. And that was my second breakdown. I cried, but good tears. Of joy. And then after that, I did six weeks of radiation. Okay. Which was awful in its own way, in a different way. I remember at one point um, I was sitting there with four men, I think one engineer, one scientist, one radiation oncologist, and one tech. And I was laying on this table and I have four men just talking and examining and touching my breast and trying to figure out where to put the lasers so that it wouldn't hit my heart. And it was two hours, my initial appointment, because I had such a hard case Mm -hmm. to get it right. And I just, the tears were just streaming down the side of my face. As they were examining. As they were examining. Because it was like, how natural is it to have four men looking and touching your breasts for two hours? Yeah. And the female nurse kept coming with tissues and Mm. That was kind of humiliating. It was really humiliating. Yeah. And Can then I just add yeah. one thing about the cold caps. I tried them for five <laughs> seconds. And I could not. Well, I think that we we can. Women are uh, so women much are so stronger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was my cold cap champ, though. I mean, he. You have to. There's eight of them that come in a pack. You have to pack them in dry ice. You have to change them every thirty it's minutes. It's a job. It's like a full time job. Crazy. And he like saved my hair. I mean, he took that job very seriously. Mm. You know. Almost oh too gosh, seriously. It though, because I mean, I had it's like sticking your head in. How ice. long did you I have to? The, how long the, did you have to have it? Eight uh, hours. So we yeah. start right before she. <gasps> oh my god! Right before the IV. An hour before. And then. And then three hours after. And, then, and we'd finish at home. And. And the whole time you'd have the cold caps on. Yeah. yeah. So I have. I had a whole like kit. I had two huge cube coolers and I had my infrared temperature. So did you guys look like the ridiculous? Cra- did, you, did you guys look like the crazies? Ridic- the- oh yeah. We had like <laughs> only ones yeah, who did the cold yeah. that were was doing it and like, you know, it's it's busy. Mm. in there wheeling in. Oh yeah, the nurses 100% didn't like yeah. it. They no. didn't like that we were in the way and um but I don't I didn't care. Yeah, it's you know what? I don't know, whatever. I'm doing. I'm doing what I, I need to do. Gloves, yeah, yeah, gloves you were, yeah. You were. I was like. He got just, trained. You might as well have brought a barbecue in, in and just right? I mean, just <laughs> settle it. It's a long day. I mean, it's a long it day. A long day. Yeah. And you know, like they before they start feeding her full of poison, they give her the <laughs> liquid Benadryl. Benadryl, yeah. Which oh, yes. Basically knocks her knocks out. you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I'm just like. You're just hanging out. Literally cold chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And um, just like catching up on life yeah. while she's out. You're on the side and working. Then I, then yeah. I have to wake her up every 30 minutes. To change minutes, it. And put, put a new minutes, colder cap on. Put yeah. a new colder cap on. And she was like such a trooper because it literally is like I got to know like you can't just go get the dry ice that you need at like Albertsons. Yeah, you, <laughs> you have to, got go to, to know where the good yeah. spots were for the you dry ice. You gotta go to like, like a massive distributor wholesaler, <laughs> you know, and then you get the, you know, just like the, the cross, the paths you cross with people in life, especially mm. during that period, you know what I mean? Like everybody knew me at the dry ice place. <laughs> and they knew what why I was coming in and it's, uh, it takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was a trip. That's a tired right? cliche. It was a trip. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You were a warrior. You were a champ with the cold cap, though. Really? Oh, that, I mean, like, that was the one that thing was, that I knew. <laughs> that was his job. The one thing that I yeah. knew that made her not um, feel completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because you I do, I mean, you have good days where you don't feel so bad and you're like, I look okay. Well, the, I mean, yeah. I didn't have any eyebrows or eyelashes and I was gray, but I had hair. Yeah. Here's the thing, <laughs> you though, know? Like, yeah. Every three weeks, so, like, the first week, she's completely just laid out, right? And then she starts to feel a little bit better the second week. And then by the third week, she's starting to feel normal again. Then whack, we Boom. go back in and, yeah. and it's yeah. Really full of poison. Gosh. So it's it's such a vicious cycle. Yeah. So um, The radiation doesn't hurt. It's uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Once they get after past that initial two-hour crazy appointment, it's every day for six weeks. And then um, it just makes you exhausted. Yeah, I was going to say, it's yeah. a really aggressive treatment. And, and then after like, that, I had four months of hormone therapy. Gosh. Uh, so I finished up in the spring of 2016. And that's when I started going back to Last Twins. Last Twins. Yeah. I was going to say so how, so you went into this just having a, you had a one-year-old, a yeah. three-year-old, a five-year-old. Your body had been through so much. And you're, as a woman, your body changes so much after having a baby. Um where was your body at after treatment? Oh, man. It was hard because I started playing sports when I was seven. And mm -hmm. I played all through high school. And I was always a gym rat and super active. And um, I didn't work out the entire time I went through therapy. Not one day. So it was a good year and a half. And then after I was done, the hormone therapy exhausts you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could barely make it up a flight of stairs. And I did gain that 20 pounds that doctor that said everybody I talks about man <laughs> it just pops up like literally just happens and I think too also like when I was going through chemo I didn't eat for four months and then surgery and, and the radiation you're just not hungry and then when you start to feel better you I ate everything I could get my hands on mm -hmm. after that so that probably didn't help um, your body's so deprived from and nutrition. I was depressed yeah so I got through the holidays I was great finished my treatment and then everybody kind of starts to move on <laughs> and then one day this is gonna sound really silly but for me you know you have a year and a half where everybody's attention is focused on you and getting you better and people just they're done they're it's mm -hmm. over cancer's done Jill's done we're gonna move on and rightfully so I, there was never any anger in them moving on but then I was like hey I'm still here yeah, I'm, I still have cancer yeah, like I'm still like, survive. I'm still yes. dealing with the, the trauma right. of breast cancer right in some ways it was so hard after because it hits you you're like whoa because you're in such fight you're in mode. survival mode the whole and time then it's done and then it's almost like you have a little bit of PTSD. I mean, mm -hmm. I fell into a super deep depression. I gained weight. I was unhappy. I was yeah. unhealthy. I was mad at the world. I was mad that I got breast cancer and nobody else did. And I was mad that everybody was moving on. And I was mad that my body failed me. And I was mad. I was just mad. mad yeah. I didn't know who to be mad at. And I knew I needed to do something. And I just didn't know what. And I just this voice inside of me kept saying, go back to the twins. <laughs> I had been, I had gone to the twins prior to my diagnosis to lose my baby weight after my daughter. Mm -hmm. So they knew me for almost a year. Um, and I told this story Saturday that I wasn't even sure they'd remember me 
because I'd been gone for a year and a half and they were like, oh my gosh, come back in. We <laughs> can't wait so to see amazing. you. And I was like, listen, I'm really broke. I don't have a lot of money. Can I use a Groupon? Even though former members aren't allowed to use Groupons, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, of course, we just want you to come back. They're Thank so God they said yes. Like yes. they could have said no. They could have easily know? said and no. It was tough. Getting back was really hard. I was really hard on myself because I looked bad. I felt bad. I was not strong. I but they were so amazing in helping me just slowly get back and build my confidence. And um, I needed to get back to who I was. And I feel like they brought me back to life. I always say, like, I, I hear this a lot um, from breast cancer survivors, obviously, is that want to be back to who you were before breast cancer. And I think that it's it's actually a bad way to look at it because yeah. I think that breast cancer makes you better. right? And so I think that who you used to be is gone and like who you're about to be is better and like working towards being a way better version because every woman I've talked to that's been through breast cancer, they come out of it better, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like they're stronger. Yeah. Um, and so when, I literally don't sweat the small, like, yeah, it's 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 crazy, right? How it just makes you a better person. And so if we can align that strength and that confidence that you all get during the traumatic phase of that period of your life and have that same love and care and confidence in your body. And that's what I really want to start matching for women is you're such a badass after breast cancer and your body is capable of so much that like us learning how to love our bodies and love on us more, um, after a traumatic event. But you feel like your body betrayed you. Betrayed you. And you're kind of mad at your body. 1000%. Yeah. So and that's why I think this organization is so important because I didn't <laughs> I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. It's, I wish I had worked out a little bit more during my treatment because mm-hmm. I was so depleted after. Um, it just it just helps so much to get back to who you were physically, or even a better version better of what you were. I'm I'm better than I was before. Yeah, that's I wasn't what I was saying. You're Spartans, probably better. You know? Yeah. The twins were like, "Let's do a Spartan." I'm like, <laughs> I just literally finished treatment like a month ago. You're nuts. You're but crazy. I did it, and I, I like I told this story also yeah. how they like pushed me over the walls and dragged me over the finish line. But they were there. I've never met two women more involved in other people's lives and happier for other people to succeed. And that pushed me that someone actually believed in me. Yeah. Just someone to say, you can do it. You know, and I've since done several Spartans and then, you know, the other day I did a thousand burpees cause I'm like, heck yeah, I can. Yes. Because you know what? I remember going through chemo and laying on my bathroom floor. I'll never forget this day. And I was puking and praying and just begging God to heal me. Like, please please heal me, get me off this floor. And I promise I will be a good person. I will do everything I can to be a better person. Just help me get through this. Mm -hmm. I remember having these conversations with God more than once. And so now when I'm faced with something that's challenging, I'm like, I remember when you were in on the floor in the bathroom Mm -hmm. and there's probably another woman on the floor in the bathroom right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You, and remember, all those women who are on the floor in their bathroom begging God and thinking, I'm good now. My health is a privilege. My body works. I'm not going to complain about these things. I'm just going to do it mm-hmm. and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to thrive. And um, fitness and working out, I mean, it got me there to where I needed to be mentally, physically, 
so important. So I just, I think that that's, I think that, you know, when you're saying that once you were done with treatment and kind of everybody kind of, kind of moved on with their lives in a sense, right? You were this attention, um, a, a focal point for your team that was supporting you. And then what I hear is that women are like, well, my hair comes back and I start looking normal. I'm done with treatment. And then people stop checking on me or mm -hmm. people, you know, well, that's where like for us at Parboss Review, it was like, I want to bother you so much that you're yeah. like, I don't have cancer anymore. See, like, leave, me alone. leave me alone. I don't want to go away. <laughs> no, I really want our community to be that place where when you do need the attention or you have that really like even the lost twins, like they're a part of our community now. Like they now understand our work on a much deeper level and know how to really be there for you and know additional resources that you can have at your fingertips that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And so it's like, we want, we don't care if it's 20 years out. We don't care if it's 10 years out. Like I don't care in my eyes, you have breast cancer for the rest of your life. Once you get, once you get that diagnosis, yes, it's with you forever. Right. And so you and need, you need the fear, resources. Yeah. The, the fear that it'll come back. All the stuff. I live with that every day. Um, I'm curious cause I've never actually asked a husband this. So we're going to put you on the spot right now. You're sweating for oh him. God, is this going to be a sex question? Maybe. Oh. Um, <laughs> what was your, how did you respond to the changes of her body and the breast and the things that were changing in her body? What was that like for you as a man having to be romantic again with your wife or, you want me to or no, touch get, like, oh I, and I, and I'm, I've personally had conversations with men that are like, I'm scared to touch her, you know? So I just want you to share with, well, I mean, as, as the husband, you're, you know, you're the protector, mm -hmm. you're the provider, you're the, um, you know, you're, uh, you're the PR, right. And, um, you're the, Pill counter. You're the <laughs> the cold capper. Right, the cold capper. <laughs> you know, you're um, and you're her biggest fan, and you're also you know the shoulder to cry on. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, I, I I know her love language, <laughs> and uh, so what is it? What's her love language? It's terms of endearment. Mm. It's touch. What was your other one? Like kind Those of are your tight. main yeah. ones. Those yeah. Are your main so ones, I yeah. knew that like just like rubbing her feet or, um, you know, I'm not that. So no. he doesn't have <laughs> any lung love language. Zero. <laughs> we did the quiz. He has nothing. <laughs> but I knew that that was so important for her. So for me touching her and holding her, like I cherish that. And mm. um, so like her scars now, like for me, they're beautiful because you know what that means to me when I see that scar, that means that she's living. Yeah. She's alive. Right? Yeah. That's her, that's like her tattoo of like, that reminds me every time I see it. And for me, like, I love it. So, Aww. um, getting back like physically, like it's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, like, you know, cause you, you're such the protector for so long that you, that you, that she almost fear. becomes yeah. fragile to you, yeah. you know? So you like, you want to, And you've got this alpha woman. She's like, no, when, get out. Yeah. I mean, when she, when she's going through chemo, like, like 
Literally everything hurts. happening during chemo. Like her hair hurts, her fingernails hurt, you know, and this was before, you know, cannabis was legal, you know, so. That's another good topic. Yeah. So, but like just laying on the couch, like if I could just go over there and caress her arm or rub her feet. She loves, loves her feet rubbed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, her sweaty feet. So it's for me, it was, and then when I think when she started going back to the gym though, and you know, there's endorphins and the, you know, the confidence comes back and then, then for me, then it's like, okay, like, we're good. Boom, chicka, boom, 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 boom. Oh you hear that? The gym. Right? The gym <laughs> brings does. sex home. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> she's not <laughs> fragile anymore. She's right. strong and she's confident. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's attractive. Yeah. So wow. you don't want to like cuddle with somebody that is like so frail and like, you know, sick, sick and yeah. gray. And, and, uh, but like the gym, was a godsend. Mm. It, it really was. It it did so much for the mood for all of us. I mean, we flew on her moods, right? We right. we traveled uh, on on how she was feeling and and if she was happy or if she was sad, because you're you want to be there for her at every step of the way, so you become robotic in your. Um, with everything else around you, right? Yeah. So uh, when she went back to the gym and you saw that color come back and that confidence. That light come back in her. Right. Yeah. And it's like a light switch. You know, and we're both ex-gym rats, you know, yeah. so I know what it does for you mentally and physically. And emotionally, and, all of that. And emotionally. And mm-hmm. why don't you go to the gym? We've we talked about this. <laughs> we, he and I have talked about he this. Knows, hey, that was part of my rider for being on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> was not to discuss. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well, that's an yeah. But yeah, cannabis, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, gosh. Let's, yeah, we can schedule part two yeah, for, yeah. Uh, for cannabis. I'm sure good, we could bring in a few survivors to talk about stuff. cannabis options. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so... What does today look like now that you've gone through, you know, we're looking at almost five years since the cancer free, really five years since a true di- diagnosis of yeah. hearing you have cancer. What does your life look like now? It's good. Really good. <laughs> I'm really happy. I'm a, I'm, I made a conscious choice to be a happy person after mm-hmm. because I'm alive. Like I, I made it, I will say the first two to three years after I had, I wanted nothing to do with pink breast cancer foundations, runs, walks, nothing. Don't do anything pink for me. I'm so anti-pink. And then this past year, the the phrase warrior too. I almost almost had to like, you're a warrior because people always say, Oh, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? I'm like, you don't really have, you don't have a choice. You would do the same thing. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I think you just do what you you have to do. She told me like, if somebody calls me a warrior, (laughs) I'm going to punch him. Yeah, really. It's like, I just want, I'm Jill. I'm not. Jill with breast cancer. I just want to be Jill again. Yeah. And, um, I think that this is one of the things that is so important to me and why I, I have this podcast, why I want this podcast for people, because everyone thinks that October is this like pretty pink, mm. fluffy, you know, breast cancer is this awesome thing, which 
it's not. You it's know, not. like, and it happens to one in eight women. So they make more it than pretty. likely, they want to make it pretty because it's women, and they want to tie it in a bow. They want to make I mean, it, it's a ribbon. Yes, for yes. heaven's sakes, is our symbol. Yeah. Notice, I don't use any ribbons. It's I'm not just pretty. saying. Um, and that's why I said when I was talking on Saturday at the event that. You know, we're glad you're here and you're, we're glad you're donating your time and your yes, money. Yes. But just know there is a real woman behind all of this. I'm sorry, real women. Yes. Millions of them across the world who are suffering, like severely suffering. Yeah. And so as fun as, as it is to fundraise and wear pink, please know that it's for a real tangible reason. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it. I don't know. It, it's crazy for me to think sometimes that these organizations go out and they raise funds and they don't give the money to actually anything good. Mm-hmm. What I think Barbells for Boobs does is it's a tangible thing and the money goes to the women who actually need it. And it's something they need to heal Yeah, because the doctors fight the cancer, but somebody needs to take care of that person because yeah. there is a person behind all of that technology and the medicine and the chemo and I just appreciate you guys so much for doing what you're doing because I wish I had it, but now I want to spread the word about it yeah. because you need to heal as a person. I feel like I'm fully healed. I feel great. Um, just this past year, I felt like I can talk about it and really be an advocate. Well, and come to a pink fundraiser. <laughs> and do the and do whole pink thing burpees. and do a thousand burpees. <laughs> and um, I want to help people. I want to, you know, someone came to me the other day, told me they were diagnosed. And I could see the look in her face, the fear, the big eyes, Mm -hmm. the tears welling up, the shock. And, um, I want to help her Yeah, because I didn't have anybody. I didn't know anybody my age who had breast cancer. I did it by myself. I felt very lonely. It's probably the loneliest I've ever felt in my entire life. Yet I was surrounded by people, but I was severely lonely. And I I, I remember her saying like, who, who can I talk to that? knows what I'm about to go through. There was nobody. nobody. Gosh, I I probably lived in Irvine at the time that you were going through all yeah. this. Like, I wish I know. you would have yeah. known about us. Cause well, we had- I mean, social media has exploded since mm-hmm. then. And, you know, I can't go back and change it, but I can move forward and help people. I want to help people. I want to be there. I want mm-hmm. to guide them and tell them it's going to be okay. It's, it's literally going to be okay. And yeah. um, I'm proof of that. Yeah. And, and you can be good again. You can be even better than you were before. Um, For both of you, this is going to be a question for both of you. What was your biggest lesson from breast cancer? Ooh. Like if if breast cancer could have just given you a life lesson, what was it that you can share? For me, the biggest thing is that your health and your ability to move your body is a gift. Mm. Because I know there are. Or so many times before I had breast cancer, I'm like, oh, I got to go to the gym. Mm. Oh, da, da, da. And gosh, it's so crazy because you're able-bodied. You know, you're able-bodied and you can do these things. But until that's taken away from you, you don't realize what a gift walking, what a gift getting out of bed, what a gift moving your arms. You know, after you've had surgery, you can't move. And I will never take my health for granted. I will never take my ability to move for granted. And... um just teaching my kids mm-hmm. to have a healthy, active lifestyle um, and, and to try not to complain so much, you know, I'm good. Like I have, I'm good. Even though it happened, yeah. I'm good. And I don't want to take those things for granted. And then I literally don't sweat the small stuff. Like 
I don't know if it's turning 45 or having <laughs> breast cancer, but I don't really give a bleep what people think about me. So um, that's that's a good thing. That's a great but, thing. <laughs> yeah, the, just the perspective on health and, and um, you can't take it for granted. You just can't. Mm. You know? I, I think for me, um, the biggest thing I gleaned out of it was just the 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 power of positivity, right? Mm. I mean, I know it's easy to say, but like if you took the mindset that me and Jill took and just said, we're not going to lose and we're going to stay positive and there's going to be, I mean, it's a wicked roller coaster ride, mm. but at the end of the day, if you can muster up that, that, that power, that faith, right? That positivity in your life that you're gonna make it. Then I think that was a huge part of, of her healing process, both physically and, and mentally. I mean, we, yeah, never, we never talked about death. No, not one time. I Do you feel like you were death. positive people before? Yes and no. Like, did you approach life in that positive, go get it? Like, we're not going to fail. Like we're going to we do this. We were kind of in a, a bad place when I was diagnosed. And I do think God sent us some of these lessons um, for a reason. Like he mm -hmm. talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, we were, we had this great life. We lived in this fancy house. We had two cars. We had money to well, spare. All the things we that we think is great, yes. right? The, the society that I'm, says you need. We lose a job. We get cancer. Yeah. And our life completely did a 180. And the one thing I think God taught us was that you don't need all those things. Nothing. And what you need is love and yep. people around well, you. Yeah, that's what I've support. learned. And, and like, community. Yeah. yeah. And now we have no money. We live in a small house. We don't drive fancy cars. <laughs> we're the happiest we've ever been. <laughs> no joke. We yeah. are happier now with less. Mm -hmm. We know what we need and what we don't need. And it's things we don't need. We need our, our health. Yes. We need each other. We need love kindness like yeah. that's it man like that's what it's all about your assets change right totally. your idea of what an asset is 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 yeah. different right yep. i mm. thank god for the lessons oh. i thank god that we went through all of that those mm -hmm. five years of craziness um because we could still be those shallow people spending money on things they didn't need to spend money on and thinking we were cool because we had a bmw yeah um we're not those people anymore and we're so happy we have we don't have a lot no we don't need a lot, super though. Happy. You, that's what you do. Yeah. But here's you, the thing: is that you have so much. Yeah. Yes, you have and so, so much, much. So much to give. To, yeah, you know, like that's what you want to do. Like, I, I, I look at Jill and I'm like, just I'm so full of pride because yeah. like her speech at God, the gym. God, it was so beautiful. And Ugh. and I'm like, I'm like, I'm happy that that. Um, I get to have her. Yeah. And she's mine. Aww, and like, you know, so that's, it's, it's very, uh, it's a very different dynamic for us now, but like, I think she's a rock star and 
Yeah, our marriage yeah. is so her, much stronger. Yeah, I was going to say. Watching her go yeah. through that before we like, Before all this stuff happened, we fought about the dumbest <laughs> stuff. And then we'd go on for like an entire week without talking. And it was everything was such a big deal. And now I'm like, I am too tired to yeah, fight. This we're, is, we're, yeah. we're not going to fight about this. Like, well, you see so we, much we like went, the, We like, went through counseling, too. And I think that's really important, <laughs> yeah. too. During I mean, treatment? Or like while you were going through treatment? Be, or? Right before. Right before. So before your diagnosis? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Because I had so postpartum after my daughter. Another thing I got, yeah. So um, that but, sort of that was a good time for us because we were yeah. strong going. So like you don't need therapy; you need cancer. I know you'll learn everything you need to know. You want me yeah. to teach you some lessons? Yeah, you want we're, me to make we're you guys so much closer. stronger because of it. We really, really are. I like, think what was special for for me about your speech on Saturday because I've heard so many women share their stories, and um, yours was really impactful for me because it wasn't your story like you you yes you you shared your story but you recognized all the women out there that like the real stuff that women are going through like the like you know m- me watching my sister have to eventually go into diapers you know and she was 45 when she passed away and like the real it's real it's real it's and real I think women just want to be seen mm-hmm. and they want to be heard. Yeah. And when you're going through all this, people say, how are you doing? And I really just was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Because do you really want to know yeah. that I have diarrhea <laughs> yeah. every day? Do you really want to know that I'm puking my brains out? Like, do you really want to know that I've got burns all over my yeah. upper torso from radiation? Do you really want to know really I can't cook for my that? kids and I feel like a pathetic I can't mom? Eat. I can't yeah. cook. Yeah. I, my brain is mush. Do you? Yeah. Who really wants to know that? And that's you kind of find out who your friends are because mm-hmm. there are some of those. I have a couple girls that like. I told them everything and they were, they're still around. And like, that's a good friend. <laughs> You're like, I friend. basically had diarrhea four times in your bathroom. Like, I'm yeah. so sorry, but you want to be seen and heard. Mm. And I was so afraid to tell people the truth. And so I want people to, to know. know the and truth. And it's uncomfortable to hear, but there are women truly suffering. Yeah. And um, that's a, that was a big lesson for me. And I want those women to be heard because I don't feel like I was heard. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to keep it all quiet and make everything, make everybody else feel good and be, make it, make it okay. Pink. And but it's not okay. <laughs> it's not. It's and not. And I think women need to be heard and seen and appreciated. I mean, we didn't do anything to get this. Yeah. This just happened. And um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine if one in eight men had it? Oh my God. Oh my God. No, no, God. One in a thousand have it. There's a reason no. for that. There is. Yeah. There truly is. You know what I, I always told myself, though, that got me through a lot of it was it's not my kids. I got this, but at least my kids didn't get it. Mm. I got it. Yeah. yeah. I'll take it. So I'll take, take it. it. Any day. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I really am. I mean, you guys put your heart and soul into this and you don't have to, you really don't. And and you make a difference. You really, truly, if, if you go sometimes without thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> what is day. this all for? <laughs> you kidding. are making a difference. A Thank really, you. really, really big Thank difference. You. Because um, walking into the gym the first day, you feel so weak and helpless. But after that year, man, it's like life changing. Yeah. And I hope you know, this... I didn't have you then, but I had the twins and yeah. the twins changed my life. Yeah. And I think you are changing people's lives. Well, we you just really want are. this, what, we want the gym to be the norm after yeah. treatment. That's where you go to heal yourself emotionally, physically yeah. and mentally. Um, because again, I always say the doctor's job is to save your life through treatment, but we're here to give you life, right? Like 
You got to get your life back, right? Absolutely. Anything else you guys want to share? We're, we're over talkers. I mean, we could sit here all day. <laughs> what what else you want to know? You I just get, get a bottle of wine right, right over here. Just just I know. I'm like, like, like you should see this like, my interview. <laughs> I'm squeezing his leg, going, "Be <laughs> No, just, we need to have more co-survivors on the show. <laughs> this no, it's great. They go through it. Well, they're they go nobody. Through it. So, who took care of you while you were taking care of her? That's somebody asked me that. So, at my when my sister, so I was a power of attorney, so I had to make the decision to to, um, end her life. Oof. And somebody asked me, they were like, Z, who's taking care of you? And so I think because it wasn't like, I think it's pretty normal that you're the husband. So you're the caregiver, right? Sure. So this is my sister. Well, my husband's taking care of our son and our business, you know, like yeah, not right. thinking that I'm not going through breast cancer. Right. Like, as, as but I you don't are. Think, but, but you are. Yeah. And yeah. and also my sister and I were kind of in it together and going through it together. And so there was really nobody really taking care of us. And I think that I never asked anybody because I'm supposed to be the one taking care of everybody. And so I think it's, I, that's why I always ask like, who took care of you? Cause somebody asked me that and it, it was like a well, jawbreaker. I, I was I like, I don't you, like <laughs> my mom, I guess they made a pact not to cry in front of me. I did not know this, but cause I was always like, Nobody ever, nobody's ever crying. My mom never <laughs> cried. So when I asked her after and she said, Jill, every Monday when I left your house after taking care of you, I cried my eyes out mm-hmm. the entire drive home. And then I remember talking to his mom years later and she said, oh, he called me and he cried all the time. Oh. And it kind of made me feel better because I was like, <laughs> nobody's upset. But um, they need that outlet. Yeah. They need that outlet. That's, I can't even imagine caring for someone like that. I mean, you almost have your own set of PTSD. A little I would have you know? loved yeah. to talk to somebody else. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you do another husband internalize or a lot of it, and you do try and be the sh- white knight, right? And that that takes a lot of work. Well, and it's all in un- unknown territory. You're like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and I, I really leaned on my faith a lot, so mm-hmm. there was many conversations with God. Of course, <laughs> yeah. yes. You know? And um, we had a great support system though like her friends really stepped up with all the meals and mm. you know all of our child care all of our kids one, were, yeah. were they never missed a beat you know with sports and everything like that and and when it's all said and done it's 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 like you 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 give so much that like i, I was exhausted yeah. right i was just exhausted and you don't have an outlet so I started running again. What, what happened? <laughs> we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna dive deep into this. Yeah, we're gonna dive very deep into this. You set yourself up for that one. Yeah, you set yourself up. Half marathon. I ran that half marathon, like that May of twenty sixteen. Yeah. So, but I would have loved to have been able to lean on. Somebody. So, like, that's if anybody needs to lean on me now, like, you're there. Let's do it, man. Yeah. It's good to know. Really good to know. There's a lot of craft breweries out there. I never <laughs> send them a beer. Yeah. You give me a beer, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my information. Anybody. You don't even need a beer. You're not even supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming. I just out. did recently get my first uh, pink t shirt, too, though. You did? Yes, Does it have a B on it? It doesn't. Yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> we need to get you a B. Lost twins. Uh, we need to get you a yeah, yeah. real pink shirt. Yeah. 
<laughs> the B shirt. Thank you for having us. This Thank is you really for coming. Cool. No, it does seriously. feel good to talk about it. It's kind it of does. Therapeutic. therapeutic. It is one hundred percent. And uh, you know, imagine. Hopefully, all the oncology centers in the world have you know signs of our podcasts in the next five years, and somebody gets diagnosed, and they can listen to your episode because they had the same diagnosis. I would as you. love to have that. Yeah, because I look around these walls and all the women are under the age of 45 when they were diagnosed. Yeah. And I needed that. You needed so to know that they were out now there. Now it's time to pay it forward and, and do this for the future women. Cause yes. Yes. You're not alone. Right. Yeah. You're not That's alone. Husbands perfect, aren't alone. Yeah. You're not alone. That's the perfect um, cherry on the Sunday. Is that yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone. So stay positive. Yep. Stay moving. Yep. yep. Stay active. Get sweaty, but not on the small stuff. Yes. Yes. I like that. That's a good one. You need to put that on a shirt. I like that. That's a good one. I never, I never Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank for you. tuning in today. Barbells Reboots community. And that's Lights Out. <laughs>